Another word of welcome to those who may be uh, visiting with us today. We are so glad that you have uh, chosen to worship with us this morning. We hope that you feel a sense of belonging and welcome here, but we also hope that you feel nourished and challenged by your time in worship with us this day. Uh, we've been exploring together this Lenten season. That is the season um, leading up to Easter, uh, the seven essential questions. And what we mean by the seven essential questions is this. Jesus asked far more questions than were asked of him. In fact, Jesus is more likely to, give, to reply to a question with a question than he is to give an answer. And so today, the question that we're going to wrestle with is, do you love me? And in order to wrestle with this question, we're going uh, to sort of break a liturgical rule. The liturgical rule is this. We're going to uh, read a passage that comes to us after Easter Sunday. The passage we're going to read uh, comes to us from the 21st chapter of the Gospel of John. And I want to set the scene for us. Jesus uh, has been handed over. He's been executed on the cross. He has gone to the grave and... His disciples have fled the scene. Understandably, they're terrified. We would all be terrified. They wonder if they're next. They, uh, they go back to the upper room where they have been, and they begin to wonder what the future looks like for them. So they go back to work. They go back to their family business. They go back to fishing. In fact, they go back to fishing, and they've been fishing all night long, and they've come up empty. When uh, the dawn breaks, there's a guy standing out on the beach. They don't know who it is, but it's Jesus. And he says, uh, throw your nets on the other side. And they do. And they catch so many fish that their boats are about to sink. They get the boats to the shore, and that person who yelled out to them to throw their nets on the other side has made them breakfast. And it's over breakfast that Jesus asked Peter, Peter, do you love me more than these? I imagine uh, Jesus points to that boat full of fish and says, Peter, do you love me more than the safety net that's in that boat? Do you love me? Friends, depending on how we answer this question, it can change our whole life. So may we seek to answer it openly and honestly and with vulnerability this day. Listen now for the word of the Lord to all of us, for I believe this word can change our lives. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. A second time, he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter felt hurt because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you used to fasten your own belt and go wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. He said this to indicate the kind of death by which he would glorify God. 
After this, he said to him, Follow me. Follow me. Friends, this is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Remind us, O God, that you hover here. You hover in this very sanctuary, just as you hovered over the waters of creation. So we ask that you would reach across the ages and breathe new life into these ancient words, that they would be your word to us here and now. We pray that you would breathe new life into the words of my mouth and into the meditations of all of our hearts, that all would be acceptable and pleasing to you, O God. For you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So a friend of mine had been dating someone for well over a year. Everything was going well. They got through that first Christmas pretty much unscathed. They had met one another's families. They both agreed that National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation was the best Christmas movie ever created. Some of you disagree, that's okay. (laughs) They were even beginning to make plans to travel together the next summer. And they were on a date one Friday evening. And over dessert, everything had gone really well. And over dessert, seemingly out of nowhere, my friend's girlfriend said, I love you. As soon as those words passed her lips, she froze. Almost like she had not planned on saying those words that night, especially not over dessert. But there they were, hanging out in the universe, hanging right over the ice cream and brownie in the middle of the table. My friend, uh, he didn't know what to say. He sort of paused. His palms got sweaty a little bit. And he said, I did the only thing I knew to do. I told her how I felt. He said, I looked looked at her and I said, I really like you too. That didn't seem to help. (laughs) And as soon as he realized it, he wanted to break the tension. He said, can I have the last bite of dessert? And then they broke up three weeks later. We've all been there, haven't we? Uh, That time in our life when uh, we had to make the decision of if we were going to tell someone that we loved them, I mean, that's a big decision to make, uh, to, to make the decision to use the L word. You put it out there in the universe and there's no taking it back. I'm looking around the room this morning and, and I imagine just sharing that story. I imagine you sitting right there next to your beloved this morning. And you can remember the very moment that they said that they loved you. Or even better, the moment that you felt like you loved them but didn't want them to know. I bet you can remember the first time you ever told anyone that you loved them. 
that nervous feeling that welled up inside of you and you didn't know what else to do, so you had to get it out. Some of you may have that feeling this morning. You came here with a significant other and you've been trying to figure out the best time and way to tell them how you really feel. It's a big deal to use the L word, that love word. In our passage this morning, Jesus asked Peter, Peter, do you love me? And in our English translation, it appears that Jesus and Peter are on the same page. There's a lot of love going back and forth in our passage. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. But if we turn to the Greek, which is the original language in which the New Testament was written, we learn that Peter and Jesus are actually using two different terms for love. Peter and Jesus, uh, it seems, aren't having the same conversation. (laughs) They're not quite on the same page. Jesus says, Peter, do you love, do you agape me? Agape is the Greek word for unconditional love, the love that does not ask for anything in return, self-giving, self-sacrificing, divine love, agape. And Peter replies each time, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. I filio you. Filio, which is like a brotherly, sisterly kind of love. It's the kind of love associated with friendships. The kind of love that's not quite unconditional. The kind of love that is most within our grasp. It's the, I really like you a lot. (laughs) You know, I'm rather quite fond of you. Kind of love. So Jesus and Peter are talking past one another. They're talking about two totally different types of love. Jesus is asking Peter, Peter, do you love me unconditionally? Peter is saying, Lord, I like you a whole bunch. But something radical happens in our text this morning. And in order to see it, I'm going to need you to grab your pew Bible. It's the blue one right there in front of you. If you're in the transept, it's right underneath you. In the choir, it should be right beside you. Out in the sanctuary, I want you to turn it to page 116. Not the first 116. That's the Old Testament. Turn it to the New Testament. And in the choir, you may not be on page 116, as I learned at 930. You may be on page 106. But I'm going to trust that the Lord gets us to John 21. (laughs) Something radical happens, and I'm going to read what happens. So follow along. I'm going to pick up John 21 at verse 15 and listen for it. Listen. For this incredible change. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon son of John, do you agape me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I filio you. Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. A second time he said to him, Simon son of John, do you agape me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I filio you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you filio me? 
Peter felt hurt because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? Do you feel me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I feel you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you used to fasten your own belt and to go wherever you wish. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. After he said this, he said to him, follow me. Did you hear it? Did you hear it? The first two times Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? Jesus says, Peter, do you agape me? Do you love me unconditionally? And Peter says, Lord, I feel you. I love you. I like you a lot. But the third time that Jesus asked Peter, Peter, do you love me? Jesus does not ask Peter, do you agape me? Jesus takes the love that Peter responds with and makes it a part of his third question. The third time that Jesus asked Peter, Peter, do you love me? Jesus says, Peter, do you filio me? And Peter says, yes, Lord, you know that I filio you. Let's be abundantly clear about something. This is the God of the universe that took on flesh, came into the world, suffered on a cross, went to the tomb, has been resurrected, and comes back to the disciples. And he doesn't hold the standard for which they are to love and ask them to jump over it. But the God of the universe comes back and changes his word for love to meet Peter where he is. Peter, do you feel me? Jesus is asking Peter, uh, Peter, will you love me with whatever love you are capable of? Theologically, what this means is it means that God meets us where we are in every season of our life and asks us to give the love, the life, the time that we are capable of giving in this season. So I've been wrestling with this text. That's remarkable. Peter, do you agape me? Lord, I feel you. you. Okay, if, uh, if, if filio is all you got, Peter, let me ask you. Can you filio me with your whole life? Yes, Lord, I can. Good. I'll meet you where you are. But did you notice at the end of our uh, text that Jesus doesn't just leave Peter there? He doesn't sort of pat Peter on the head and say, that a boy. Uh-uh. Jesus says, Peter, if you filio me, Follow me, for I'm going to build my church on you. It seems to me 
After wrestling with this text, Jesus is saying to Peter, Peter, bring me the love that you have, and I want you to follow me to agape. Peter, I want you to bring me the the love that you're capable of, and I want to lead you to a, a love that's unconditional, that is so much bigger than the love that you're capable of on your own. Peter, bring me whatever you got, and I want to lead you to the life that I most want you to have. Friends, if that were true for Peter all those years ago, Don't you know it's true for us this morning? Don't you know that's good news for us this morning? Of a God who will meet us in every season of our lives with whatever we, whatever love we can give, whatever faith we feel like we can muster. Christ will meet us right there and lead us to deeper love, deeper life. Agape, the unconditional love of God. But how do we do that? I think that we all want to do that, but how do we do that? Jesus says, simply follow me. I don't know about you, but sometimes I read uh, stories about people who have risked their entire life to follow Jesus. People who, uh, who have forgiven someone who has deeply wronged them. Or I read about people uh, who have forgiven someone who has deeply wronged their children. Or I meet people, some of you, you've done this. I meet people who have risked their entire life to follow Jesus. People that have walked away from the successful life that they have built to pursue an entirely new path that they feel like God has led them to. Sometimes you make an appointment and I meet you. You've risked your faith to follow Christ and you've sought to be in relationship with those that the world considers to be the outsider. And I got to tell you, I read stories and I meet you and I hear your story and I got to tell you, I wonder, am I capable of a love that big? Am I capable bringing that to my life? Do I have that within me? Have you ever felt that way? When you encounter a friend who has risked something big for something good to follow Christ? Have you ever felt that way when you've opened the newspaper and you read of a miraculous story somewhere? Most of those people that I know that did something extraordinary the people who have risked something to follow Christ, the people who've shown love and compassion and generosity and grace, when I ask them, how'd you do something that big? They never feel like they did anything extraordinary. (laughs) Almost to a person, you know what they say to me? They say, Matthew, I brought what I had. I did what I could. And what I brought was led to something much bigger than I could have ever imagined. Filio to agape. Did you know that um, at every memorial service here at Preston Hollow Presbyterian Church, our deacons 
sign up to help work the memorial service. We even have some folks that sign up just to to care for families. They hand out bulletins. They make sure that there's Kleenex right here in the pews for the family. They make sure there's water over in the parlor for families. Do you know that we have deacons and those who've signed up to work memorial services that have cared for families at over 300 memorial services? I'm talking about one person. And I say, do you have any idea what you're doing? They say, yeah, I've done it over 300 times. I make sure there's tissues in the pews. I make sure there's water in the parlor. <laughs> I greet the family with a smile. And I said, no, do you have any idea what you're doing? Do you know that you are Christ's love in the flesh for a family in their, great, in their time of greatest need? Do you know uh, we have folks, we do uh, homebound communion. Every time uh, we have communion here in the sanctuary, we have a team that signs up and they take the elements, they take uh, bread and juice out to our retirement communities and to homebound members. And we have people that do not miss. I mean, they sign up every time. And I ask those people, I say, do you have any idea what you're doing? Yeah, I go, uh, I go over to um, the conference room. I get my sandwich. It's right there in a box for me. All I have to do is eat it. I pick up the bag. Some poor soul had to type up instructions. There it is on one single page. This is what I'm supposed to go do. I say, do you have any idea what you're doing? They say, yeah, I take... Uh, I gave my time, and I'll go and feed Miss Betty over at PBN. Little do they know when they bring the bread and the juice to Miss Betty that that may be the last time that Miss Betty ever has communion. And do you know in some instances in this very church, Folks have served homebound communion, and that was the very last taste that person had on this very earth. Filios to agape, bringing what we have, and the Holy Spirit, she rushes in and breathes new life so that we may know extraordinary love. Do you know um, there's some folks in our choir? They've been singing in the choir longer than I've been alive. <laughs> Think about it. And if you ask them, and sometimes I ask you, I say, do you have any idea what you're doing? And they say, actually, I'm not that good of a singer. The people on my road make me sound a lot better than I actually am. All I know is I show up on Wednesday night. The music's right there in my cubby. I don't have to think about it. I go right to Emmanuel Hall. I sing. Steve makes us sound incredible. I've just been showing up for 30, 40, 50 years. 
And I say, yeah, but do you know that through your music, you move us to tears? And let me say this, if our music ministry has not moved you to tears, my dear friends, we got some work on your soul we got to do. <laughs> they say, no, I just, I just bring the voice that I have. And the Holy Spirit, she rushes in and transforms our filio into agape. Do you know that every single day of the week, Jesus Christ is transforming filio into agape within the walls of our church? It doesn't just happen here in the sanctuary. It happens uh, over in our library, and it happens over at our day school, and it happens over in our Sunday school classrooms. But did you know that every single day, the living Christ is breathing new life, transforming filio into agape all around our city? Here's the thing. Once you see it, you can't not see it. Once you've been encountered by the living God in this place, you see it in the world. It's why when I was reading the newspaper a couple of weeks ago, and I read the story about Plaxidus Dillon and, and her extraordinary act of love that she exhibited in the wake of the cyclone that hit Central African countries, I knew that was the spirit of the living God breathing new life. You may remember the cyclone that hit the countries of Zimbabwe and Malawi, where we have a mission partnership, and Mozambique. It was a Category 2 storm that took out some villages. Over 750 people died in the wake of this storm. Plaxidus, uh, she doesn't have much, but she runs her own business. It's a small business. She sells uh, secondhand clothes out of the front room of her house. She has a radio there, and she was sitting there one afternoon when the BBC World Service came on her radio, and she heard how this cyclone had destroyed communities, decimated towns. People had lost everything. As soon as Plaxidus heard that BBC news report, she knew what she had to do. She went out back and she got one of those really big grain sacks. Looked like burlap. And she brought it into the front room of her house to her business. And all those clothes that she had in her shop that she was getting ready to, to sell so her family could thrive, she packed up all those clothes and put it in that burlap sack. It was this big. She went to bed that night. She prayed before she went to bed. And the next morning, Plaxidus picked up that sack. She put it on her head, and she walked over seven miles to the Highland Presbyterian Church. Because Highland Presbyterian Church was beginning to take in donations to help families affected by the flood. Filio, she brought what she had. And the spirit of the living God breathed new life into it so that agape would be known. There is a man there in Zimbabwe. His name is Strive Masi Masiwa. Strive uh, happens to be the, the wealthiest person in Zimbabwe. He's a billionaire, as a matter of fact. And he read about Plaxidus' generosity 
He was moved to tears. He said, that was one of the most remarkable acts of compassion that I have ever seen. He said, I am so inspired. I have got to meet that woman. He said, when things calm down, I want to have Plaxidus over to my house. I want to sit down and I want to pray with her. And then I want to thank her because she inspired something deep within me. I realized I could be doing more. He said, when all this is over, I want to build Plaxidus a, a new house. We'll put solar panels on it so her family always has energy. We're going to make sure that we dig a well real deep so they have running water. And then I'm going to give Plaxidus a thousand dollars a month allowance for the rest of her life. Because I've been so inspired by what she did, I've got to do something in return. He brought what he had. Filio. Plaxidus brought Filio. And God transformed it into agape. So that the whole world would know of a love bigger than the love that they've ever known. And a love that they have settled on. Jesus did not leave them where they are, but led them towards acts that reflect the unconditional, massive love of God that we know in Christ Jesus. My friends, once you see it, you can't not see it. Once you see it, you'll, you'll see it walking right down the halls. People have been teaching third graders for 20 years. You'll see it in our choir when they sing. You'll see it in every one of these ushers. But if you don't hear anything else today, my friends, hear this. I see it in you. For if it's true in them, it's true in all of us. The living God taking whatever we have to give and leading us deeper in faith and deeper in love. For that's the invitation of the gospel, of a God who meets us where we are, but who will never leave us there. So may our eyes forever see agape. Will you pray with me? Lord, we bring you everything we are capable of in this very moment. And we give it to you. Asking that you would transform it. Our lives, our gifts, and our love into far more than we could ever imagine as we seek to faithfully follow. So take what we have to give this day, O oh God. For we pray in Christ's holy name.